Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now in for Jeff Wagner, WTMJ's Scott Morris. Oh, yes, it is a Friday edition of the Wagner List. The summer of Wagner continues, boy. <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> I don't know when I'm going to see him next, because I'm usually in for him. But you got to give him a hard time about this week, Kyle. Kyle Paczynski producing the program, as always. you got to give your boy a hard time for this week. <laughs> is it two days? I was in Monday. I'm in Friday. There was a Bucks game Tuesday. Yeah. Oh, man, he's got it good. Bucks game Monday. Yes, that's right. Bucks game during the this afternoon slot on Monday as well. The Summer of Wagner. <laughs> All right, a couple things real quickly here. One forty-five this afternoon. Virtual basketball. Virtual basketball. Got to get back off the schneid. I lost last week to Peggy and West Bend. It wasn't pretty. So I got to get back in the wind column. You'll get a chance to compete against yours truly. One forty-five. And then, as I just was saying with Steve and Melissa. Really looking forward to the Friday frivolity we have on tap for you today. In place of Pop Culture Corner, which is Jeff's domain and property, I shall not infringe. 207, don't don't send them now, but at 207, going to take calls on what we are calling celebrity encounters of the random kind. It could be, quite frankly, anything. So I want you to start thinking now. If you want to send me an email, you can do that. Scott.Warris at WTMJ.com. Scott.Warris at WTMJ.com. But yes, indeed. Celebrity encounters of the random kind. It's amazing how many of them. We'll have to remember this. Track how many stories come out of an airport or out of a bathroom. <laughs> it's just, you know, the two places where... So uh, plan on that. I do have a little tough love, and I, I need to kind of, and I'm a Milwaukee native, born, bred, raised, reside, well, West Dallas, but, you know, Milwaukee. And I, I do need to give my fellow Milwaukeeans a little tough love, okay? Some tough love as it pertains to the DNC. Um, not a big fan of the woe is me, okay? I think we need to... Um, Kind of uh, put that aside. I think I think it's very important that Milwaukee. There, there's something about Milwaukee, and I don't I don't get it. I've, I've again I've lived here my whole life, but we it comes off at least as if we have this this um, what do you say an inferiority complex, hmm? and I don't know if it's because of Chicago being just to our south, and so we feel as if we're in that shadow, as always. If if it has to do with Minneapolis and, and people think we're flyover, I, I, don't, I don't know, but I, I have to push back on a good deal of the woe is me. Call it the Eeyore mindset, whatever it is. And it has manifested itself again, I think, no, I know, in the DNC slot. I mean, people are still upset over this. Now, I, I understand the disappointment. Absolutely. We're all disappointed it didn't happen. But the, the anger, I mean, would it have made that much bigger a difference if last night 
instead of a relatively empty arena or convention hall, let's say, in Wilmington, Delaware, Joe Biden was standing at the podium at the Wisconsin Center. Would that really have made that much of a difference? Or, I joke with Scafidi, only a little bit, the fireworks. Really? Would we be, would those of you who feel that, oh man, Milwaukee got screwed again and woe is me and why are we always, would we really have felt better if they fired off some fireworks along the Lake Michigan lakefront last night for a few minutes, juxtaposed with a picture of the candidates on stage in Wilmington, Delaware? Would that really have made us feel better? I just, I, I've, I've never been a fan of, that characteristic to begin with i struggle with people who have that kind of oh man i never get the breaks you you watch the simpsons you remember the character gill from the simpsons oh man oh gill never gets the breaks um i struggle with that characteristic when i find it and come across it in people i want to take them by the shoulders and say hey buck up let's go Be proud of what you bring to the table as an individual, and I'd say it for the city. Be proud of what you were able to put together in anticipation of something that did not happen, and it was completely out of our hands. Completely out of our hands. I think part of it is people want to blame somebody or something. Well, you can blame something, I guess. You can blame a health crisis. The... The folks, the, the, the Democrats wanted to come here. We wanted to have them here. And a once-in-a-lifetime situation kept it from happening. But I, I, I push back on some of the woe-is-me stuff because I think that that, and again, I, I don't know where that comes from. I, part of it seems to be ingrained in Milwaukee. Another example. The video of that virtual Milwaukee tour that was put out by Stephen Colbert in The Late Show. Now, again, I watched it. I chuckled. I didn't laugh because it wasn't like hilarious stuff. However, I did kind of chuckle a couple of times. And yet, people were offended by how dare they. Oh, there they go again. Bringing up um, Laverne and Shirley. Bringing up beer. Bringing up the Fonz, all that stuff. Oh, man, we never get a break. They're always making fun of us. Knock it off. Come on. I don't know where that comes from. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It doesn't do us any good. It doesn't do us any good if individually, like I said, if that's your, if that's a character trait of yours, that does you no good. The Eeyore complex. And I don't like it when it rears its ugly head in our city. I don't know if it's a Wisconsin thing so much, but I definitely pick it up sometimes in a Milwaukee thing. So we tried. We landed a political convention. And by God, because of circumstances beyond our control, it was, in essence, taken away from us. Does that suck? Yes, it sucks. Could we get it again? Are we poised to get another one? Hopefully so. Hopefully so. But we need to come down or, or, or get away from that, oh, you know, kind of just head down on the ground, kicking rocks as we're walking down the street with our hands in our pockets that, oh, shucks, nobody likes us. Stop it. Stop it. You can be better than that. Be better than that. Pick your head up, Milwaukee. 
We'll be fine. We'll be okay. We've got a long road to go, like every city does, basically, in terms of an economic revival. But, but, we can be better for it in the long run. And, like Alex Lazary has said a couple of times, hopefully, if in four years they're looking, for, and they will be looking for another convention site, it might not be all that bad if they come to Milwaukee and they say, and, or, or Milwaukee says, we're booked. Sorry. We, we cannot get out of all the events, all the conventions, all the space. Everything is so locked in that we, we can't take a political convention. Maybe it's in eight years. That, as Lazary said, is what happened in Denver, incidentally. Denver, which hosted the DNC in 2008. There were inroads about having Denver host one of the conventions again this year. But they couldn't because they were so booked. Well, that was pre-pandemic, I know, but they were so booked up, they just couldn't take it. Let's hope that that's a problem Milwaukee has again in four years. But between now and then, or now and the next convention, let's get, we have to get away from the woe is me mentality. And if that's how you perceive what happened this week, I think you're doing a disservice to yourself, and you're doing a disservice to Milwaukee. You can be proud of what you are and who you are. Be proud of the history that, that, that we have. And if that means Laverne and Shirley, fine. If it means the Fonz, that's okay. Okay? All right. It's a little bit of a pep talk. A little, little tough love, maybe, for some folks who are feeling just so bummed out that last night it was a... A, in essence, a, a convention, pseudo-convention in Wilmington more than it was Milwaukee. That's how we start. When we come back, some thoughts on what you saw and maybe dipped into over the last four days, four nights. I'll give you my thoughts as well. We're going to uh, see what our very own Eric Bilstad, he's always uh, really, um, I think, insightful in some of the things that he, and, and him and I kind of disagree on some things as well. But we're going to throw open the phone lines and the text line. 855-616-1620, the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Your takeaways from the last four days. And I would say this, I don't want to get too, in this instance, I don't want to get too in the political weeds. I'm more interested in your takeaways from a production side of things, maybe some of the messaging. I don't want to get, in, again, too deep into the politics of what we saw. But from a, from a showmanship perspective, considering it had never been done before, what did you like? What didn't you like? If you are a Republican, maybe you say, you know what? I, would, I wouldn't mind it if uh, the RNC stole that or did that idea or implemented that concept into their conventions moving forward. I know there's also been talk of maybe this is going to be more what a convention looks like. I, I don't know. I'm not completely going to dismiss the impact of an on-site, everybody fill an arena convention, because there's a lot of glad-handing and, um, and money to be exchanged and meetings. and it, it, There's a certain amount of um, pressing of the flesh, as it were, that, that is important to the process. Will it completely go back to what it was? Maybe not. Maybe not, as people smarter than me are speculating. But 855-616-1620. What'd you like? What didn't you like? The good, the bad, the ugly, and everything in between when we come back. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
Mitch from Sturgeon Bay just commenting on my uh, frustration with Milwaukee's woe is me mentality, saying it's a Wisconsin thing. I hear it every time the Badgers are underranked or too low seated. <laughs> yeah, it transfers to sports as well. I guess I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where it originates. Either Eric Bilstead joins us here in the studio for a couple of minutes. Where do you think that? B- before we get to our reviews of the DNC, from where do you think that emanates? This whole "woe is me" yes. mentality. I, uh, um, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I, I do mm. think it's a little bit of a generational thing. I don't think the younger Milwaukee residents are affected by it as much as, say, someone who's lived here for many years. I think that's part of it. But I also feel like, and I don't know how to describe this because you know me, I'm not a blame the media guy. I, I, I think that's a cliche, and I think it's, um, it's lazy. It's a cop out. Yes, yeah. it's lazy. However, I mean, I even heard it in a news conference today. Mayor Barrett held a, a final wrap-up DNC news conference via Zoom this morning, and one of the questions he was asked it was about, when you saw the fireworks last night, how did that make you feel? Did you wish they were here? And does that play into it because it's, you know, does the... Do do we drive that? Does the media kind of drive that narrative a little bit? Maybe even inadvertently, but mm. that becomes a, a storyline that we create. Somebody says it comes from Midwestern hospitality and super nice attitudes. I don't know. I, I'm I'm not sure. I it's it's. And I I I believe I it's know. elsewhere too. I don't. I I believe there are other cities outside of Wisconsin or in the Midwest that also have similar. Like, well, wait a minute. Oh, you know what I mean. Like, if I'm sure it's happened in Denver. <laughs> I, I don't <laughs> I'm know. Sure, it happens other places. Like I say, I've never upset. lived anywhere that, in any other place than here. So I I just I'm not sure. Um. But anyway, okay. So uh, DNC is over. RNC is next week. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Your takeaways. And again, I know sometimes this can be tough. I'm not looking to get into the political weeds. But what do you think of the presentation, the production, general messaging? If you want to go down that road, that's fine. Uh, If you're a a Republican, is there something you like that you're going, man? I wouldn't mind if our guys or our party takes a page out of that playbook next week. Quick texts here. 414, I'm a lifelong Republican. Sad to say, I think they did a great job adapting and making it all happen. I know how hard it is to do live production, so I've got to give them credit. Another texter says, well done under the circumstances. Powerful speeches. And I I don't know how, if you really are going to be unbiased, I don't know how you walk away from the last four days not going, hmm, you know what, considering nothing like that had ever been done before, nothing like that had ever been attempted before, they had to, maybe not on the fly, but there wasn't, there wasn't months and months and months of preparation going into it. Yeah, there were some glitches, technologically speaking, but good job. I, I, I was impressed when you factor in what they had to do and, and not a lot of time to do it and no template either. I just miss the the live energy that comes with these conventions. I want to see Clint Eastwood say something funny to a chair. I want to see El Gore and Tipper mouth each other. I want to see the silly things that happen in a DNC or an RNC. I want to see those convention moments. Who's to say Clint Eastwood wasn't talking to a chair? Yeah. Who's to say Al and Tipper weren't making out? <laughs> well, they're divorced. Just wasn't on. Are they divorced? Oh my gosh, yes. Wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> Al Gore and Tipper Gore are divorced? Yes. Yeah. For a long time. 
Okay, sorry. It, it, I, it was that kiss that led. That was the downfall. I didn't know that that had happened. All right, I, I got to catch up on that separately. Your thoughts, your reaction, 855-616-1620. We'll take the break. We'll hear from Melissa some headlines, and then we'll dive deeper into uh, what you saw, what we saw, what we liked, what we didn't like over the last few days. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Looking for their first trip to the big game since the Lombardi era. The Packers stepped out onto Lambeau Field with a chance to bring an NFC Championship back to Titletown. Tune in Sunday night at 6 o'clock. We bring you another Packers classic as Brett Favre and company take on the Carolina Panthers, the 97 NFC Championship game, the 96th season. 97 NFC title game as uh, we present Packers Classic sponsored by Health Tradition, Sitzberger and Company, CPAs, West Bend Insurance. You know, one thing without there being an NFL preseason, the NFL regular season for the first time in my life is is going to kind of just spring up on us. Eric Bilstad hanging out for is a couple minutes. Start? It, I mean, think about it. Usually the NFL, it, it never just appears and it catches you out of nowhere because training camp mm-hmm. yep, and then yep. you've got the seemingly endless four preseason games and fantasy football drafts and all this lead up and build up and you get to the point where it's like hey can we just get the real games to start well guess what what did i hear it's three weeks from tonight yeah or from last, last night. night three weeks from last night is the first regular season game not the packers it'll be three weeks from this weekend and it's going to be here, and because of everything else we have going on, sports and otherwise, for the first time in our lives, the NFL is just going to kind of <laughs> appear and kind of catch us off guard a little Big bit. Big effing deal. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Tammy. Tammy unfiltered. <laughs> Tammy Baldwin unfiltered. Now, w- w- was that one of your highlights? Go through a couple things. I mean, if, if you were to look back okay. and we're taking your calls and texts at 855-616-1620, what did you like? What didn't you like? First time we've ever experienced a convention like that. So, Eric, what's on your list? I thought things that I thought worked very well. I, I thought how they handled those speeches uh, at the end of the night. Um, I thought it was odd, the Michelle Obama's, only because she had taped it so long ago. I, I don't I, who cares that it was taped that doesn't really affect I think most people but the fact that clearly she had taped it several days ago enough where they didn't even know who the running mate was that seemed odd to me uh, what did I like I thought Joe Biden and Kamala Harris's setup which what they did in Delaware seemed to work that digital setup they had where you could see the states and all that I thought that was pretty cool looking just for what you were trying to do okay it seemed mm-hmm. to work I really liked the roll vote there when they when they went through what was that uh, Tuesday night. When they went in virtually, some were taped, some were live. When they went to each person's uh, state and, mm-hmm. and showed them in a unique place, holding calamari or whatever they were doing. Right. I, I think that that, by consensus, was the most successful aspect or mm-hmm. element. And certainly, f- from what the experts claim, maybe something that has the, the highest likelihood of happening again, if not becoming the right. norm. The roll call... The delegate roll call. It was quick. The nomination process may very well. What did they call it? A roll call across America. Mm-hmm. I mean, it even has mm-hmm. a great name. Right. I think I know that there's Republican strategists and, and RNC folks, I think, that have even said that was that was pretty cool. What I be, be, because the alternate, of course, is you do it in the arena and you go around to each section, each state and territory. There's fifty seven. Yeah, they're funny, stupid hat and maybe 
Um, you know, maybe they fumble the words. It's they're not... off mic. They're way over here. Right. Vermont. Right. Right. I, there was something pretty, I would say, pretty cool about that. Um, what I could not, I, I couldn't put my finger on what it was at first, what bothered me about it. And I think what it was was the lack of energy and the lack of the, uh, yes, I know some of it was live. But when you have no applause, when, and you made the term, when you have no applause, when you are giving applause lines, mm. you know what I mean? When you're saying it, that just, it seemed so strange and that I found myself needing that because even though the pretty well-written speeches, for the most part, got a little boring. It just, it's, you know, and, and I'm a wonk, you know, I, I can't wait to watch it next week. I'm just kind of a wonk for mm-hmm. this stuff. But like, it just, I have to admit, I, I found myself getting bored with these speeches because there wasn't that energy that would keep me wanting right. to continue to watch. One of the things with the speeches as they were, Make no mistake about it, they were considerably shorter yes. than they would have otherwise been. <laughs> yeah, that's a good, which was phenomenal. You, I knew, <laughs> we knew that give or take a few minutes, every night between 10 and 10.15 at the very latest, this would be over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, As opposed yeah. to otherwise where it would have gone past 11, maybe... Uh, 11, 11.30, when you factor in all the applause and the starts and the stops and, and everything that comes with a with a live audience. So, yes, the speeches were shorter. There were no applause lines. And thus, you know, you kind of went through the evening a little bit faster. I, I didn't really need the, um, the Hollywood thing at the beginning. Julia Louis-Dreyfus, again, she's Veep. So then even that plays a role because she played a silly... I, I just didn't need her. I mean, Ava Longoria, I mean, she could have done every night. I've been fine with that. <laughs> but I, they just they didn't bring anything to the table for me. And in fact, when you watched it on some of the networks, they were all talking over them anyway. Right. They'd pop that right. down or they'd move it over and Stephanopoulos would take over. I, I didn't consider the fact that, oh, they're going to need a moderator each night. So I understand why they did that. Yeah. Now, maybe they... Whatever you think of Longoria or Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Kerry Washington. It wasn't necessarily the fact that they were Hollywood people. It was more that just I just it didn't well, I think add that, anything for me. Mm-hmm. I know I, I know that that did turn off some people just because they're. I will from say Hollywood. this back to the speeches though, because it was not given at a podium in front of a crowd in a in an arena or even a convention hall. It allowed for a much more, I, I think in some ways, impactful because it was conversational. And some speakers mm. are better at doing that than others. They're not talking over applause or, or having the flow of a speech. I guess it was less speechy and more conversational. That's yeah, the best no, word for it. And, and so while the words may have been the same, in given in both traditional sense and then this virtual sense, it came off because of that. It comes off differently, and I don't know if that landed better. Does Michelle Obama, who got you know all kinds of praise, and I, I can see why, but do, does Michelle Obama's speech come off better because of the environment in which it was delivered and i'm not talking taped or live but i mean she's sitting on a chair right looking right, right at you in your living room yep, yep. versus at a podium with thousands of people and more intimate yeah that's for sure yeah yeah uh mitch from surgeon bases great production decent speeches for being done on the fly um production was fantastic i, I would say all i mean yes yeah. tiny couple of glitches here and there but for the most part 
Mm-hmm. Pretty well done. You know, and, and I, I would like to think that this forced us as viewers, whether we're doing it because we're just flat interested or because you're a Democrat and you're interested or because, you know, you're just a, a political wonk and, and, and somebody who geeks out on this stuff like I think you and I do. Big effing deal. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I wonder if it it forced viewers to focus more on the content and the showmanship of it. Ah. You had to actually, okay, I'm not going to get distracted by, oh, hey, there's the Wisconsin Canoe, there's Robin Voss and Fitzgerald, and oh, look at the funny hat that uh, Alberta Darlin's wearing or whatever. I mean, we we had no choice if we're going to watch it than to actually digest the content. You're, you're not distracted by <laughs> yeah, right, an applause right. line or the camera. And I'm, I'm taking it from an, a perspective of not being in the building or a camera panning around. And, and, and we kind of get distracted by these, let's be honest, less important things. And we were forced to actually listen to the words that were said, like Tammy Baldwin's or whatever the case is. So, so what I want to know is moving forward. So say, because there's been a lot of talk, oh, maybe this is how they do it moving forward, or at least portions of it. Right. It doesn't need to be four days. I mean, you can do this in a day. You would not need four days for a convention anymore. Maybe two. But like James Corden said, this isn't a Bachelor finale. You don't need to put this over a whole week. You could have it done in two days and be fine with that. I would say two because you're going to want whatever your party is. You're going to want your big... Your, your big, big hitters, yeah. the, the big guns to come out and get a few minutes and moments. And, and remember, I, I keep every time somebody raises the question as to whether or not this is the new norm. Oh, I love that phrase. This is the new convention format completely, or is there some combination of the old format and this format? I just, I keep coming back to the behind the scenes pressing of the flesh and the let's go out for drinks after so I can yes. lobby my yes. fellow congressmen. There's so much, what would I say, wheeling and dealing, schmoozing. But That's is the there, word. Though? Like yes. Schmoozing, yes, but they already got all the votes. Biden didn't, doesn't need to be no, there no, no, shaking no. hands. I, I, I think, I think schmoozing. I mean, Tom Perez was here all week. Oh, no. <laughs> doing right. what? I'm not saying schmoozing or wheeling and dealing in terms of maybe hard and fast legislation, but. There's a certain amount of, I like to be seen, I want to be schmoozing. You schmooze, I'm going to go out and buy you some drinks, and the delegates, I don't know. I think there's something to be said for that. Now, does that mean you need four days? No. But there ha- I-, I think there's still a value to the party. Maybe it's the dirty underbelly of the party that we-, we don't like to think about or talk about. But there is that element at play that I, I-, I think in some ways... There's a value, still a value there. Do you go four days? I don't know. I don't know if you go four days or not. I'm curious to see what happens next week. There's still a lot of question marks about what's going to take place for the RNC next week. If it's even going to be in Charlotte every night, how they're going to do it. We do know that uh, President Trump was watching very closely and was telling his aides a lot of what he wanted to see happen after seeing what they did this week. Was this caps lock on his phone? (laughs) Did he know that? It was all caps and all exclamation points. So, All right, we will move on. We'll see. So I'll, I'll let you make a prediction here. And we're four, eight, 12 years away, so we won't hold you to it because we won't remember. But, okay. Um, what are the odds? No, I'll just ask you, does Milwaukee get another convention 
Here we go. Does Milwaukee get another political convention in our lifetime? I you was, are a young spry In our man. lifetime, I'd say yes. But I don't believe the Democrats will come back in four years. <laughs> maybe it's the Republicans, or maybe it's a few, you know, here we are, what, 16 years from now or something, but I don't believe the Democrats <laughs> come back in four. Thank you, Texter. It's what the business world would call networking. Yes, that's ah, another good. Schmoozing, yes. networking, pressing the flesh. You know, so, so all, that, all, all that drinking, stuff. Boozing. Drinking, yes. Let's go throw a couple maybe, back and, and maybe talk. have a little fun, depending on Well, though, there are those in. stories as well. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Don't forget, 2 o'clock Friday fun. Start thinking now. A couple of you sent me texts. Don't text in now. It does you no good now. Plus, I lose it in the stream of texts. But after 2 o'clock's news, celebrity encounters of the random kind. Hmm? 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 By the way, <laughs> there was an organized demonstration. Is that the word? A march by parents of Big Ten football players. This was organized by Randy Wade. He's the father of a star player at Ohio State. And they were marching, coming from their respective communities. They were marching on Rosemont, Illinois. And we say, what? Why Rosemont, Illinois? That is the Big Ten headquarters. Big Ten, of course, has canceled fall sports. And football moms and dads are upset because... You know, when your identity as a parent is tied to your son's football talents, it's a tough break. I get that. So here's the report by ESPN. A group of parents of Big Ten football players protested outside league headquarters to demand more info about what went into the league's August 11th decision to postpone the fall season. It was organized by this dad of an Ohio State star player. The group featured mostly parents from Ohio State and Iowa, while Illinois and Wisconsin, hey, also were represented. Many parents wore their sons' jerseys and T-shirts with team logos, while some carried signs reading, let them play. And we want to play. The parents, we want to play. All right. I don't know. I'm not sure which aspect of this story I find more amusing. The fact that there was talk of maybe 200, 250 showing up. Guess, Kyle, guess that was the original amount. Maybe I shouldn't have said that because now you're going to, I didn't want to impact your opinion here. How many parents attended the gathering earlier today outside the Big Ten headquarters in Rosemont? It was estimated that 250 would yeah, attend? they were expecting... Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I'll go 10%. Give me 25. Yes! You got it! <laughs> About 25 parents attended the gathering. Now, here's the other part. So that's pretty rich. Here's the other part. Like a lot of offices these days, the Big Ten office has been closed for months. The employees of the Big Ten headquarters are all working at home remotely. So the office has been closed. 
As the commissioner of the Big Ten and other staff have been working remotely, the story says, during the pandemic. So, I mean, you had from a couple hundred maybe to 25 parents who now have nothing to do this fall because, I don't know, how can they live vicariously through their sons if they're stuck at home not watching their kids play football? And then... Beyond that, they're out there. Now they got media attention. There's a whole bunch of microphones, and obviously ESPN reported on it. But they're at a place. There's nobody there, okay? <laughs> they're not there. I don't know. The Big Ten commissioner did reiterate a couple days ago, put out a statement saying, we will not be revisiting. We will not be revisiting this decision. That seems like a pretty <laughs> a pretty rock-solid declaration to me does it not you live from the annex wealth management studios at historic radio city this is the jeff wagner show and now in for jeff wagner wtmj's scott morris i'm a little bummed i was hoping the Lori lachlan we're going with lachlan right it's lachlan it looks like lachlan yes but it's lachlan we're going with the Aunt Becky sentencing. I was hoping it would happen before 3 o'clock, but you looked, and it looks like it's, what, two 2.30 California time? Yeah, it looks like they've moved the sentencing to 2.30, or, yeah, 2.30. So California time, that'd be 4.30 for us. Oh, so her husband just got Massimo Giannulli. Massimo, yeah, five months. Ooh, that's a mighty spicy meatball. <laughs> but you know, I keep thinking everyone <laughs> else that served time in this college admission scandal because of the coronavirus didn't serve their entire sentence. So I'm wondering if th- that will be the same for Massimo and Lori Laughlin. Lachlan, sorry. But you know who did serve was... Um, Desperate Housewives. Desperate Housewives. <laughs> we can't think of her She only had two she, weeks. She's married to... The actor uh, from uh, uh, from Shameless, yes, <laughs> the guy from Fargo. Was he in Fargo? Yes, yes. Um, you know William H Macy. Uh, yes. I couldn't think of his name, but William H Macy, his wife, who we all know, but we can't think of the name of right now. Help us out here, Gru. Was it Heather Locklear? No, no, <laughs> no. That's Melrose Place. Uh, okay, Heather I'm Locklear. Up. No, William H Macy's wife. Well, come on, this is embarrassing. I know this is. People are yelling at their radios right now. Listen, Felicity Huffman. Yes. <laughs> Heather Why Locklear. Why can't I think that Heather Locklear? Where'd that come from? I don't know. <laughs> that was Melrose Place, not Desperate House. She got 14 days, yeah. and I think she served like 10 or 11. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't They that let much. her out before that last weekend. I mean, I can't imagine. That was pre-pandemic. Pre-pandemic, and she even got you know let out early. I'm thinking this this probably... They won't last very long. What in prison? What jail term would give you satisfaction on this? Mm-hmm. I've asked this before. I think I maybe I asked it when Felicity Huffman was sentenced. To know that the husband has, because of a plea deal, has been sentenced to five months. Experts say she's going to get less, maybe a couple months or whatever. I would even be okay if they even just serve their term. You know, your five months. Your sentencing just serve five months, but is is that enough? Probably Do you feel not, as if five but, months? Yeah, I, I feel justice has been served. Well, it's they were privileged people. Yeah, 
And I think you have to look at that. And and they got their kids in when a lot of other, a lot of other, you know, teenagers and, and, um, you know, college grad, or excuse me, high school grad mm-hmm. graduates wanted to get into that school. So I think, um, you know, looking at that and, and plus these go, these trials like go on forever. It seems like they, they just keep going on and on and kind of loses his oomph. Well, yes. And everybody gets an appeal and an appeal to the appeal and, and, and it just, so I just wish they would serve, you know, if you get sentenced to five months, serve five months. Don't serve a month because of, I mean, I know because good behavior. of good behavior. We All don't right. expect you to ha- be on bad behavior. So you guys will have the Aunt Becky sentence <laughs> we will, yes. during Wisconsin's mm-hmm. afternoon news. Speaking of college, I was talking to somebody the other day, just reflecting on going to college. And, and, and for those of you who, you know, I, you could even look equate this to going to high school. But going to college, do you remember remember the anxiety, the, ner- the altogether nerves? Imagine, or I, I can only imagine, what in the world are new college students feeling like right now? I know UWM is in the process of their move-in. I assume others, Marquette as well. We're, we're, we're right now right smack dab in the middle of the move-in period. Take yourself back. Think back what it was like going from whether it was junior high to high school, but more specifically, if you attended college of some sort, four-year, two-year, whatever, but going from high school to that next level, especially if you moved away and were going to be a resident on campus, a little different if you were a commuter, I suppose, you remember the anxiety, the nerves, the uncertainty of, okay, I don't know anybody on this gigantic... I mean, imagine, I was reading today, where did I see that story? Was that in the Journal Sentinel? Yes. Students' families try to make decisions about coming back to college despite endless questions. And they talked to a couple of families, one of them that is moving from the West Coast to Madison. Yeah, they're moving from the, the, um, the Bay Area out in California to Madison. And you're driving and you're, you know, you're anxious. You, when you're 17, 18 years old, you're thinking, I'm not going to know anybody on this gigantic campus. Maybe you have some friends that are, are also there, but... I don't know anybody. What is college going to be like from an academic standpoint? I don't know what my major's going to be. Maybe there's pressure to, am I going to, you know, I want to join a fraternity, a sorority. How do I fit in? How do I find my classes? How do I find a job on campus? All the questions, all of those things going on in in our minds when we're transitioning from high school to college, and now you add in all of this to it as well. I just, I don't know how how kids are doing it. 855-616-1620. If you are a college-age student, if you're a parent or something like that, I mean, what are the feelings? What are the nerves? Is it all ratcheted up? I mean, you're thinking, okay, I got to... Think of all the little things. Well, now they're little, but at the time they're not. Like, am I going to like my roommate or not? That's always a gamble if, if it's not somebody you've 
predetermined as a roommate or some somebody you're saying, hey, let's get a place together. Am I going to like my roommate? Do I have to haul all my stuff up several floors of an apartment or a residence hall? The move-in inconvenience, all the stuff. And now you're dealing with social distancing and wear a mask. And, okay, my university, there's been an outbreak among the football team as there was at Notre Dame or Michigan State. And they've halted things. Am I going to be going to class on the first day or am I going to be staying in my dorm the first day? All those uncertainties of entering that next phase in your life and you place all the questions surrounding the pandemic on top of all those other worries, big or small, but they're magnified in the moment. I don't know how in the world I I would, and I'm a classic worrier. I'm a classic overthinker. I realize that there are people that are much more calm, cool, collected. Hey, I'll just go with the flow, roll with it. It'll be fine. Whatever happens, happens. I envy that. I envy those people sometimes because I'm an overthinker and a worrier, and I can make big little things seem big and much do about nothing. So that transition in life for me was... A little bit nerve-wracking, I admit it. So I have tried to think, what would it be like to be moving into a college or university dorm, enter college life in August of 2020? And I have no idea how I would do it. I would have so many things. I would have sleepless nights, so many things running through my mind. How are kids doing it now? 855-616-1620, AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 855-616-1620. Again, I'd love to hear from a parent or a college-age student who's going through this right now, and you just you just have to roll with the punches, but as somebody who does not do well with uncertainty, I don't know how I would, and I don't know how you're doing it. We'll continue in a moment. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Jeff out today. Scott Warris with you. Don't forget, 207, about an hour from now, celebrity encounters of the random kind. This has potential to be very, very fun, very interesting. So start thinking about that. But right now, we were talking about the college admissions scandal. But I was thinking earlier this week, talking with somebody actually, about what in the world is a college freshman going through? When you take all the other worries and nerves and anxiety and add on to it all the uncertainty of these times, I would, my mind would be fried with nerves. I don't know. Let's head to Colgate. Let's talk to Chris. Hi, Chris. You're on WTMJ. Hi. Um, I was talking to your uh, caller or your uh, screener and realizing that you know, I don't know, maybe my comment might be a little um, off on the, the subject, but my daughter has decided not to go to college this fall. She was all scheduled for UWM. Uh, she missed out on her uh, senior uh, half of uh, last half of her high school years. And she said, Mom, I, I just don't want to go. I, I feel like I'm going to miss out a lot of the, the excitement of what college is, getting together with friends, meeting new people. And um, I couldn't help but support her decision and say, yeah, maybe it's, maybe it's okay to take a year off. And she's going to work. And um, 
I, I, I think it's very adult of her to decide that. I think it's hard. I think a lot of kids, you know, really would want to go to college, of course, and she does, and she will next year. But um, I, I think there's so many things that are different that um, it's, it's going to be uh, it's going to be hard for a lot of kids. They're not going to have the same experience and the same enjoyment. And yeah, college, of course, it's school, but yeah. um, you kind of forget there should be a lot of fun in, involved with it too, and meeting new people. So your daughter made this decision more so out of the experience that I expect will not be what it should be, more so than any kind of anxiety or nervousness or anything like that. Right. Yeah. We, well, we live in Washington County, and it's, it's different than people that, that live in Milwaukee sure. County. I, I have a business um, on the east side, and so I get it. It's very different mentalities. And so her fear isn't so much um, guiding her as what the disappointment that mm-hmm. she had with her senior year of high school I think sticks with her, and I think it's going to be hard for a lot of kids that they, you know, as much as we might want to kind of belittle a lot of that goofy stuff that they, that, that's fun. It should be. You have the rest of your life to oh, sure. be boring and work. No, I'm not. <laughs> so, um, I think this is, I think it's a great decision mm-hmm. for her. I, I would have loved to have actually said it to her ahead of time, but I didn't want to disappoint her. She already has had a lot of disappointments this year, so... Uh, when she came to me with it, I, I I was actually happy and excited for that decision. That it was hers and not mom saying, "Hey, this is what you should do." So, is there anything, um, Chris? I don't know. Is, is there I, anything to a concern that uh, next so a year from now, next fall, um, hopefully, you know, things are a little bit more normal. Well, I don't know what that looks like, but and, and she would get back you know, to UWM or, or reapply, as it were. Is there any concern that it's going to be tougher to get in because not only will you have um, people in her position that have made this decision to kind of sit out a year, but also have next year's freshman class, this year's high school seniors that will be looking to enter, you know, the college university ranks as well. Any, any concern there? Um, I guess we'll have to cross that sure. bridge when we come to it. I, sure. you know, these days, gosh, the things change yeah. so no, rapidly. Right. I, who knows what's <laughs> going to be? I made some major decisions in my business life this year too, and I just said I can only take it one day at a time and one week at a time, and um, I can only pray that things will be better. I, I don't know what better means, mm. but um, I just know that I wouldn't want her to miss out on having some of the best time of her life just because uh, she's scared. I, you know, we get into cars and we do, we make decisions every day that could change and impact your life, but, you know, we don't think about it. So it's been interesting to see how many people have changed and made decisions based on something that they really, the the, the likelihood of it happening is so low. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I don't begrudge anybody for making those decisions, but boy, it's just, I I hate to live your life in fear. It's really, um, it's a sad situation yeah, right so and I, I, next year we'll see you know you're you're right chris thanks for the call I, I do appreciate it it is something where you're wise i think to take it heck i'd say take it a couple weeks at a time that's what we've done for the last five plus months right i mean you can plan a month or a year heck a year from now who knows who knows well about a lot of stuff right 
It's probably smart, but it is interesting. Now, Kyle, I asked that question because that, that is a point I had not really considered, but it's something you mentioned during the break, something you've heard from other people that are maybe taking a year off, those who are maybe getting uh, going from high school to college, and for the reasons Chris outlined and others, going to work this semester, whether it's just because I got to get, you know, we got to kind of add more money to the bank account or the college experience is not going to be this year what it normally would be. But then you're going to be competing and depending on the school you go to competing for those precious admission slots with this year's high school seniors. Yeah, I mean, there's always, every single year, there's going to be a percentage of graduating high school seniors that decide not to go to college, take the year off. But I do think, obviously, under these special circumstances... I'm sorry, the term is unprecedented times. Thank you. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I mean, there is going to be a higher percentage of students that decide to do that. And because of that, there is going to be a higher percentage of a larger number of people seeking to get into college next year because of it. So it's going to be harder to get into college. It'll be harder, but I'm sure it'll be a, again, you look at it, all right, let's look at it from the college university side of things. Depending on who you are, maybe there's a a decline in enrollment this year. Maybe next year you can help yourself and, and make up for a loss this year knowing there's a uh, uh, you know, a, a bumper crop of incomers. To a degree, I mean, they're not they're not building brand new dormitories that are going to get done in a year. So, I mean, the, in terms of that, housing uh, isn't really necessarily going to change unless if you have off campus housing that can uh, make those students happy. But I mean, consider this too. I mean, the the people that are taking this year off. How fresh is what they've learned this past year going to be there when the, when it comes to testing mm-hmm. and, and trying to get into your school? The high school seniors that are graduating are probably going to have the leg up. I have always said, on a related note, I guess, I have the utmost admiration and respect for those people who go back to college when they have been removed from high school. You know, a- adults going back to get their degrees. Not only are you juggling everything of adulthood with going... but I don't know about you, the the further removed I got from high school, it is hard to get motivated to study for an exam, write a paper, um, just do some of that. You're out of that mode, that mindset, that that path. Study, study, study from kindergarten, first through eighth grade, then four years of high school. I couldn't stop and then start up again years later. I needed to continue that that mindset, that mo- my personal educational momentum. And I, I, I give all the credit in the world to those folks who go back years later. But also imagine the, the sort of discouragement that you might get after having all those years removed, going back into school and sort of feeling kind of like you're in over your head with how much you have to catch up on mm-hmm. in terms of maybe... S- 101 courses you know things like that like you're like oh mm-hmm. man i don't even remember any like calculus and any any side of type of math class anything yeah. like that like i mean that's like foundational stuff that you need to know for all those reasons to all of you to, to those of you whether you're taking a year off like uh, chris's daughter and i'm going to go back at it next year i give you all the credit or whether you've taken multiple years maybe a decade or two to 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 raise a family and now you're going to go back and get your degree my hats off to you for all the reasons we've outlined and more welcome back to jeff wagner on wtmj just want to rattle through some texts real quickly here 
Uh, let's see. 262, my son will be attending UW Lacrosse this fall. I think, yes, the experience will be different, but he will still get, quote, an experience. Um, he has the uh, thought, he, he does have the thoughts that he may be sent home at some point, but he will still get his college experience, if that makes sense. Sure, it does. You, you'll certainly have a story to tell. There will be an experience. It'll be different, but it will be your experience. 262 asks the question, is it possible administrators are concerned about faculty? Faculty seem to get the slight in this when we talk about education, whether it's col- um, higher ed or high school. We, we we default, and maybe it's just my fault, but I default to thinking, all right, the students, the parents, yeah, the faculty, the staff. I I don't know. I don't know. I mean, t- time will tell. And finally, Texter, maybe it'll change society's problem of a bunch of college grads not using their degrees. Not everyone needs college to be successful, and isn't that the truth? There, there's a lot of validity in that, no doubt about it. Um, Melissa Barclay here with news. You went back. I, I, I don't know that I knew that, but you went back some years, you know, as yeah. a non-traditional student a to get your four-year degree. And let me tell you, that was an experience and an education in itself because I was 30-something years old going to school with 18, 19, 20-year-olds. And I remember sitting in a philosophy class one time. That was one of those 101 classes that you needed to take to graduate. And one of the kids looked at me. They go, yeah, you're 21, right? I said, yes, I am. Nice. Well, see. <laughs> More like thir- I was 32 at the time. but <laughs> we, we talk about all the dynamics at play for people who go back to college it's you know, difficult because you do have to retrain your brain to yes. remember all this stuff again, and you there you forget a lot of stuff over a decade, twelve years of time. There's a lot, a lot of stuff you forget. But your anecdote there does remind me there, there's a social, the social mm-hmm. component, the fact that I'm whatever thirty something, forty something, fifty something, sitting in a room with if it's a 101 course likely 18 and 19 year olds that, that, things, that dynamic is curious it really is one of the things that it did teach me even to this day is um more about the younger generation and how they really the are kids. the kids the right kids. and it gave me i mean where i was at it gave me hope for what we could potentially see in the future so that was a good thing oh. going back at an older age you could see it differently than the kids that were there so. that was very patriotic <laughs> oh, as well oh the children oh. children are our future but yes i do hear that Yes. Thank you, Scott. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. All right. Here's another 2020 story for you. By the way, virtual basketball in about five minutes. So get ready to call. For the first time since the Great Depression, this weekend, it is possible that two tropical storms could make landfall in the mainland United States at the same time. Of course. Of course, because this is the year where things like this happen. Tropical Storm Laura and Tropical Depression 14. So, apparently... I'm also learning here. You don't get a name until you become tropical storm status. Up until then, if you're still depression status, you only get a number. So this weekend, tropical storm Laura is affecting um, the Leeward Islands in Puerto Rico, the Virgin Islands, um, 
As a tropical storm with rain and gusty winds by this weekend, the storm may then head toward Florida and the Gulf of Mexico early next week, possibly as a hurricane. However, the forecast intensity and track at that time are highly uncertain. So you have hurricane, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. tropical storm, Laura, that if it makes the mainland United States and it's on that path, would hit the coast, the, the Gulf Coast portion of Florida and then into the U.S. And then Tropical Depression 14, <laughs> come on, give it a name. Tropical Depression 14 would climb up the eastern side of florida so again florida is getting sandwiched potentially this weekend early next week by a tropical storm and a tropical depression thus as i say the first time since the great depression that you'd have two tropical systems making landfall in the mainland united states at virtually the same time I, think, think of that? I feel like we learn, isn't it in the spring or like late winter when we learn like this is going to be a really bad storm season, like bad hurricane season, stuff spring. like that. I think usually spring. And usually like we can be like, okay, fine, we can handle it. And then, you know, March and the pandemic happens and we completely forget about how terrible the storm season is. And then the storm season arrives and we're like, of course, of course, the storm season is terrible this year. It, I, I, I don't know. I mean, and I will say this, too. Again, I, on a somewhat related note, I feel as if I'm hearing a lot of people saying, well, 2021, we just got to get to 2021. We just got to get to January 1 next year. To which I say, um, I, I, it's got to be some sort of psychological thing where we feel once we flip the calendar from 2020 to 2021, things suddenly get better and it is psychological there is a you know a mindset we want to have but you know we talked the pandemic we flip that calendar it's not as if and i'll say the same thing for a new president (laughs) i know joe biden is promising a lot but the man is a human being and god bless him not going to be able to fight back a pandemic now he may have other philosophies and will do things differently in terms of deploying resources. Sure, but just because we just because we rip away that calendar off our desk or put up a new calendar in our kitchens and home, and it says January twenty twenty one, I hate to break it to you, we're still going to have issues that we're going to have to slowly work through. November fourth, or what? January twenty first. We're still going to be dealing with a pandemic. I just want to put that out there because I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe people aren't so naive as to think that suddenly the skies, the clouds will part, the waters will recede, and the birds will sing, and rainbows will come out, and everything will be. We're, we're still going to have issues on our hands, as we always have, and we will try to overcome. Okay. Oh, and Jeff from Ingleside, remember the movie Mad Max was in the year 2021. Is that true? I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Well, then, by God, we're screwed. I don't know what that. I'm sorry. I tried. I tried. All right. It's time to do this. Um, We did it last week. We do it once a week. One opportunity a week. Virtual basketball. We'll have real basketball back here tomorrow. Bucks and Magic tomorrow. Game three of that series. But we're going to play a little virtual basketball here on WTMJ. I am licking my wounds, looking to get back in the win column after Peggy of West Bend. 
clean the floor with me, hit the big four-point play late in the game last week, and so this is week 14 of virtual bet. You're whining. <laughs> Ted, just hang on, Ted. Uh, this is week 14. Ten and three is my record. Ten and three through the first 13 weeks. I need a victim. I intend on defeating you. Make no mistake. You will come on, and I plan to beat you. This is not some, you know, feel-good feature of some sort. It's a competition. I want to win. We're not handing out medals here on WTMJ. Ted, settle down, Teddy. All right, let's take caller number nine. Caller number nine to 855-616-1620. Caller nine, 855-616-1620. Who wants to play some virtual basketball? Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Hi, this is a message for me about the NBA theme. Here's an idea. It goes like this. It's basketball time on WTMJ. Well, sort of. This is your chance to compete just for fun in a game of virtual basketball. That's right. No prizes. No actual basketball. It's virtual basketball. Only on WTMJ. Oh, yes, indeed. 14th competition. And uh, we had to Waukesha for the competitor here this afternoon. It is John in Waukesha. Hi there, John. Hey, Scott. Thanks for having me. Thank you for calling in. You were the correct caller. Now I have to ask for your basketball resume were you a player in high school in college have you coached have you been a commissioner of a professional basketball organization i don't know what are your ties to the sport no none of the above just a driveway hero like everybody else (laughs) all right a driveway star (laughs) nice there's a lot more of those than any other type of basketball stars i'm sure uh, if we were to look around. All right, Eric Bilstad is here, and he will be your host. He will be our host. EB, give us the rules. All right, a little virtual basketball. It's quarter pounders for everybody. Okay, here are the rules, Scott and John. We've randomly numbered 20 bucks possessions. Some of those possessions score points. Others do not. John, you and Scott will each get five possessions to score as many points as possible. We will alternate, just like in real basketball. You go first, then John, Scott, then you, then Scott. If the Bucks player is fouled during his shot in your highlight, you do get an and one. You get that extra automatic point. There is also one four-point play on the board, which, of course, Ooh. can move the needle a little Ooh. bit. If both teams are tied okay. after five possessions, which has happened, by Once, the way. Once, one time. We will give you a last-second shot opportunity, a game winner, or a game loser. We'll explain that if we get there. So, John, are you ready to ball up? Absolutely, I'm ready. Ching ching tonight. Okay. <laughs> Let's do this. All right, John, give me a number 1 through 20. How about 12? Starting with number 12. Okay. Here we go. George Hill driving baseline to the corner. Pat Connaughton. Pat against Sharich goes middle. Bank it up. Got it with a foul. Hmm. How about that? Cross to the left hand. And went up against the taller Sarich and scored to make it 100 nice. to 90. All right, that means three points right. for you, John. Good start. All right, may I please start with highlight number one, top of the list. Ooh, all right. Here we go. Middleton left wing Bledsoe drives baseline. 
Three-point line, Sterling Brown shoots it. Bango, right. Sterling Brown. Six threes in the last nice two games. 29-26, Memphis. Licking the fingers there, very nice. All right, Kyle, after one round, what's our score? Tied at three. All right, John, ball's back to you. Ball check going on. Where are we going next? <laughs> How about number six? All right, number six, it is... Beal backs up on Gary Payton, drives down the lane. He strips him and takes it away. Bounce ahead to Bledsoe. Behind the back to Giannis, who lays it up and misses another shot. Oh, oh, my goodness, Dennis, that's five baskets they could have had. Oh, that's a missed shot. (laughs) A rare miss for Giannis right around the 10. All right, uh, let's see, for the lead here, may I please go with highlight number three? All right. Here we go. Kick to the corner. Three-pointer. Sterling Brown will put the cherry on top of the Sunday on a Thursday afternoon with a corner three. (laughs) 128-111. Sterling with another three-pointer. I got two possessions. Sterling Brown with uh, a couple of threes. All right. Two two three-pointers. Scott's got six. John's still at three. All All right. Here we go. Round three. John, ball back to you. How about number eight? Number eight. Needs it. No. Rebound Brown. DJ Wilson, corner three. Got it. Oh, wow. Needed that. Right. Right corner three by DJ Wilson, his second of the game. 93-86. All right. Very good. Scoring in triplicate. Everything triplicate so far. May I please have highlight number five? All right, here we go. Marvin Williams, open three-pointer. It's short. That's an open look. Didn't go. Oh, no. All right. Okay, so after three rounds of virtual basketball, Kyle, our score? Still tied. Well, tied at six now. Hmm. Here we go. All right, round four is now underway. This is pressure time, John, just so you know. This is where we take it up a notch. This separates men and boys. All right, fair enough. Now give me a number. Uh, how about uh, f- 15? 15, you say, all right? Chris, over to Bledsoe. Yeah. Bledsoe driving. Giannis, corner three. Up, oh, got it! ABC for Giannis from the left corner. The MVP with the biggest shot of the night. That's a biggie. That's wow. a biggie. Doggone it. So I. All right. Um, you know, I'd love to get that four pointer somehow. May I please have highlight number 20? Here we go. 101-79. Grizzlies are cruising here in the fourth quarter. Left corner, Thanasis. Hand off to DiVincenzo. Three-point shot up. Good. And a foul. Oh, oh there it is. Hey. Oh, come on. Woo. Oh, man. Oh, baby. Uh, okay. Wow. All right. So, come on. Kyle. Come on. Can you believe <laughs> yes. that? Yes. No, oh, no. Johnny. Four-point play puts Scott's up ten with John's nine. All right. And there's one round left. So, John, you got to score here. This is it. I need a stop and I win. Right. Uh, lucky number 13. 13. Come on, defense. Are you ready? You want me to play it now? I'm ready. All right. Let's do it. Defense. <laughs> Number 13. Bucks up to 34% with their shooting. Mason working right. Bounces off John Morant. Screened by Robin Lopez. To the corner. DiVincenzo puts it down. Drives. To the rim. Scores. And a foul. Oh! 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 The big Ragu pops right back up. Bucks make it 48-45. All right, Ragu. Okay. All right. So now you're down by two. Are there any twos in this? Well, I don't know. <laughs> well, do the um, Bucks ever take any twos? <laughs> yeah, good point. <laughs> All they do is, yeah, they don't defend the arc, so they give up threes and they hit threes. All right. So I need two to tie. Yes. Three to walk off and win. Mm-hmm. Man, 
All right. Uh, hopefully for the win here, may I please have highlight number 18. All right, here we go. Number 18. Brook in the corner. Closed out by a smaller defender, takes the three, and misses again. No! No! So cold today. So cold. That means our winner today in virtual basketball is John from Waukesha. (laughs) I lost two in a row. I'm on a two week losing streak. Can you believe that? Crap. (laughs) John, uh, doggone it. That kind of sucked. But, John, congratulations, John. Uh, you beat me fair and oh, square. Twelve ten 12-10 is the final score. Oh, could that have gone any better? Not for you, John. Not for you. Congratulations, buddy. Hey, thanks. Go Bucks. Have a good weekend. <laughs> you as well. And that would make me, because we have no losers at WTMJ, so that would make me this week's non-winner in a game of virtual basketball. That's two in a row. i got to regroup. Team meeting. Closed-door team meeting for me. Deep to Shaq, and a three-second... Oh, hallelujah. Hear it from the chorus. You never see them make that call against Shaq. There are times he's developing a root system in there. People come by to water him. I don't know. I've lost four times all-time in virtual basketball, and half of those instances have been on this show. Maybe I'm. Maybe we do... No, no, no. no. we, we got to do it, but anyway. All right, coming up. After the news with Rusty in just a moment here. Let's start uh, getting the phone calls generated. Let's start uh, firing up on the text line. We are going to have a little fun. I'll explain why I chose this, but celebrity encounters of the random kind, whether it was a chance encounter with Kathy Lee Gifford at LaGuardia, whether it was a random, I don't know, bathroom confrontation like Steve Scafidi had with George Carlin, okay, or Melissa Barclay. With Dr. Ruth, I am curious, in your celebrity encounters of the random kind, if you're going to text in one, by the way, if you're going to text in your suggestion, your suggestion, your, your, your celebrity, I need to know the backstory. If you just text in Johnny Carson, okay, but the story makes it. And here, I'll say this, and this is why hopefully you're willing to call and tell us the story. The more random, the better. I will say that, and whether it involves something related to your work or not, it really doesn't matter, but that's what we're going to do, some Friday fun after the news, celebrity encounters of the random kind. I think this will be fun, and we'll get it going right after this on WTMJ, but we'll take the calls and the texts now. Light them up! Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now in for Jeff Wagner, WTMJ's Scott Wallace. One of the things that we missed out on without having the convention here in Milwaukee, in its truest sense, is the, I would say in some ways for some people, a likelihood of running into some celebrities in a restaurant, in a bar, at a hotel lobby, and being able to tell the story about it. Whether it was something as... Ra- I'll, I'll tell you what. Four years ago, in the conve- at the convention in Cleveland, when I was there with Charlie, and I remember quite vividly going down through Radio Row and walking outside, and for whatever reason, uh, Ted Koppel happened to exit the same time I did and it was kind of cool but 
there's Ted, and I'm and I'm picking the brain of a Ted Koppel for I don't know four or five minutes as we walked down the stairs outside the convention hall, and we kind of stopped on the curb and talked for a little while. I just got his thoughts on things. It was random. Yes, I realize it had to do with the the media center, but still random. When I was uh, relieving myself at the urinal at the convention, Joe Piscopo sidled up next to me. Yes, uh, that Joe Piscopo, right? But there is a certain randomness to this. But I was thinking over this past week, I thought, man, one of the real bummer things that uh, you know happened or didn't happen was because without the convention, we we were not afforded an opportunity for celebrity encounters of the random kind. Politicians, media personalities. Heck, Eva Longoria would have been in town. Maybe you would have been at dinner and there's Eva Longoria sitting at the table across from you. But it got me to thinking, as I reflected back on four years ago and what we missed out on this year, what is your, and maybe you have more than one, but give me a good story. Give me one of your great celebrity encounters of the random kind side note i'll be curious to find out of the calls and texts we get how many of them occurred either at an airport or inside a bathroom i'm just saying there's something about those two venues that make for amusing celebrity encounters down the line so here we go eight five don't let me down don't let me down and again if you're going to be a texter on this one give me the backstory as well if you just text me a name, I'm not going to read it because I can't do anything with it. Plus, the story makes it, right? 855-616-1620, Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. A lot of calls on hold. I'm going to just go through a couple of texts real quickly. Uh, let's see. Let us start with the 920 texter. Scott, got my picture taken with Liberace at a Safeway grocery store parking lot in Reno, Nevada. That's a good one. Taylor River Hills. I was working an all-star game event at Miller Park. Um, I went to the bathroom, glanced over, and it was Reggie Jackson, one of my childhood idols. And I was so nervous I couldn't pee. <laughs> he says, no, I did not say one word, and no, I did not look down. Thank you for clarifying that, Taylor. Boy, that's something if you can't even go when you're standing there waiting to go. George in Waukesha, I was in Nashville for a convention, and while sitting in the hotel lobby, Barry Gibb walked past. I didn't talk to him. I just happened to see him there. Pete texting in, I saw Jessica Lang and Sam Shepard in Madison at a bookstore. She was wearing sweatpants and a white T-shirt with no makeup. Pete says she was absolutely beautiful. Huh. How about that? 262. I don't remember the exact circumstances. From what I remember, though, me and my father were at some sort of dinner party for his work. I was maybe six or eight years old at the time. As we were leaving and uh, taking the elevator, none other than Johnny Mac, John McLaughlin, Mr. Buck, the original Buck, stops the elevator door from closing and steps in. He and my dad had a short 30-second conversation as if they were old buddies. Yeah, John McLaughlin. Uh, is kind of known for being able to have that personality and just that you feel like you've known him forever. All right. We'll get back to the text line in a while. Oh, we got calls coming in. Good stuff. Good stuff. Here we go. Michelle in Grafton. Good afternoon, Michelle. 
What was your celebrity encounter of the random kind? <laughs> well, I was in our nurse um, in St. Mary's in Milwaukee, and right after we opened the new St. Mary's, right on the lake in North Avenue, um, I was at triage for the end of my shift. It was probably 11, 30, 12 o'clock. And in rolls um, someone in a wheelchair pushed mm. by a young man, and I thought, man, that looks like Kelly Clarkson. She had been performing at Summerfest, and she just came up and very very sweet and kind and humble and she's like I, hey y'all i think i and then she goes i think i injured my left ankle i sure as heck hope i i didn't break break anything and it's just sprained or whatever and and i then i thought oh my god i think it is her and i said okay last name she goes clarkson and i thought bingo <laughs> and she said kelly and i didn't and she said gosh um, I said, well, let's get it elevated and iced. And she said, yeah, it hurts like a dickens. And I said, well, Kelly, just remember, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. <laughs> oh, well played. Well played. Did she laugh at she that at least? Cracked. She cracked up. And the guy that was pushed during was her manager who ended up being her husband. Oh. Um, wow. Reba McIntyre's son-in-law, mm. whatever his best, you know, Blackstone or whatever his name is. Okay. So that's that a good, was my, my brush with fame. That's a good one, Michelle. That's good. You played it kind of cool there, and then you, you got a line in which made her laugh. All right, that's a good start. Kelly Clarkson is uh, Michelle and Grafton's celebrity encounter of the random kind. Let's go to Max in Heartland. Hi there, Max. Your celebrity encounter hey, of the random kind. Hey, how's it going? Um, not super random based on the industry I'm in. I'm in the live event industry, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, I was on tour in probably 2014 as a truck driver for an artist who I won't name till the end. And we got to the first load-in in Edmonton at the Ice Arena up in Canada. Got all the gear off the trucks, was sitting and catering with this artist's lead truck driver. And there's a guy walking around taking pictures, and I thought it was kind of strange. And guy walks over, and the, the truck driver introduces me, says, hey, this is Max. He's He's new to the tour. And, you know, the... The guy taking pictures asked, you know, how's it going so far? And I, I said, well, you know, I feel like I joined the circus. The guy kind of uh, chuckled and walked away. I got a, a swift elbow to the side from the truck driver and <laughs> was like, what? What was that about? And turns out it was the Milwaukee man himself, Steve Miller. Oh. Love his music, but never saw a picture of him until I met him there. So, <laughs> And you insulted him. Way to go. Way to go, Max. Yeah, a little, little <laughs> embarrassing. A little embarrassing. But it, it, it was all good. Oh, that's great. Thanks for the call, Max. There you go. That's what we're doing. Celebrity encounters of the random kind. Bob and Waukesha, who was yours? Uh, Mary Madeline's husband. Ah, James Carville. I was at an airport connecting flights, and I know this is going to sound very judgmental, but we were walking in the same direction. Mm Mm-hmm and entered the Delta Club, and he looked like a homeless man. <laughs> he looked out of place uh, in the Delta Club, you're saying? He, he did indeed, <laughs> and, and I probably looked out of place as well, but I, I just couldn't believe it. He, that's how he looked. Yeah. Well, it's funny because now when I see, every once in a while they'll they'll put them on you know one of the cable networks usually like MSNBC or NBC and he doesn't even get dressed up to do the interviews he's usually wearing LSU Tigers apparel he'll have a baseball <laughs> cap on and like a sweatshirt and everybody else is in suit and ties but that's kind of who the guy is right 
Uh, I, I suppose he is. And my one of my, my good friends is the head baseball coach at LSU. Oh, uh, Paul Maneri. So go LSU. There you go. Go Tigers. All right. Thanks for the call, Bob. Yeah, James Carville. He does kind of stand out a little bit. 855-616-1620. If you're on the line, hold on. Keep the texts coming in as well as we explore on this edition of Friday Fun, Celebrity Encounters of the Random Kind. Good start. Good start. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Scott Warris with you until 3 o'clock. Jeff will be back on... Monday, although I think there's a, yeah, the Bucks play at around noon again on Monday. So he'll be back on Tuesday. Taking your calls, as we're calling it, celebrity encounters of the random kind. And so far, so good. Um, let's see here. Back to the phones. Barb in Brookfield, who was your celebrity? Hi, Barb. Hi, um, Betty and Gerald Ford. Oh, were, were they still in office? Yeah. Were they still in office at the time, yeah. or was it before or after? Yeah. No, they were. I, my girlfriend and I were in Chicago and it, waiting for the elevator in the hotel, and all of a sudden we, everyone got pushed back, and all the Secret <laughs> Service guys came in and got into the elevator, mm-hmm. and the Secret Service man said, well, we have room for two more, so she and I got on the elevator with them, and they said, "What? we're flabbergasted, and they said, what floor, and my friend said nine, and I said 13, because we didn't have any clue what we were doing. And um, we got up on 13, which wasn't even our floor. <laughs> so you were actually <laughs> in the elevator was, with them? With them and the Secret Service men, but wow. we were in the very front of the elevator facing sure. you know, the door. They were behind us, and just too flabbergasted to even say you know, hello, or... Boy. Just stood there like idiots. <laughs> what was that? Not a simpler time. Can, can you ever imagine? Can you imagine that happening now, where you have the president and the first lady in an elevator with their secret service detail, and they see two, you know, t- two other citizens, as it were, and they go, "Hey, we got room. Yeah. Come on in." I don't think that's happening yeah. anymore. <laughs> no, I don't think so either. And I didn't even have a mask. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the call, Barb. No, that you're welcome. Have a good weekend. Thank you so Bye. much. That, all right, that's good. Yeah, come on, we got room for more. Oh, Mr. President. Uh, and then, and then, what if you stop at a floor before they get off? And yeah, simpler time, simpler time. Andy on the southwest side. Speaking of simpler times, go ahead, Andy. What's your story? <laughs> uh, I had a summer job at Playboy Club in Lake Geneva. Hmm. which is, is still there, obviously, by a different name. And O.J. Simpson was there. I actually played tennis with me. He signed my racket cover. Now, fascinating, fascinating. When, he, had, he had an entourage, and it was incredible. Now, he this would have been about, life. about about what, what year? 1980. Oh, okay. So this was before... I'm, I'm also, 1980, yeah. Bef- 1980, before mm. he became a criminal. <laughs> before, you know... Uh, he, he was fascinating. Oh, well... Yeah, back then, I mean, he was as big of a star athlete as there was, collegiately and professionally, oh, and commercials. People around him at all times, and all kinds of money and stuff like that. It was, it was just incredible. What a show. And you actually incredible. played tennis with against him or with him? With him. He wanted to warm up. Sure. Did you beat him? Well, I ran Do the, you remember? I, I was part of the activities department. Sure. Did you part beat him? Me? Did you beat him? No, you're an incredible athlete. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and you're running like a dog. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Andy. Appreciate the call. You also don't want to make O.J. mad. I would just throw that out there. It's maybe better that 
He won. 855-616-1620. 414 Texter says, When my husband lived in Menominee Falls, he was at Pick and Save one day. He turned down the soup aisle, and there he was. My husband exclaimed, You're Bob Euchre. Bob turns, holding up a can of soup, points at it, and says, And this is Campbell's soup, and walked away. That's good. I can I can picture that. I can hear that happening. Uh, we still laugh to this day at that story. Bill in Burlington. Many years ago, I attended a business seminar. It was held in an auditorium. It was pretty well attended. Um, a woman dressed to the nines sat down next to me. She looked over and acknowledged uh, me, gave me a nice smile, said, hello, how are you today? I replied, I'm fine, thank you. One of the presenters in the seminar was a motivational speaker. He did a great job, and everyone in the auditorium stood up and applauded him. Before he walked off the stage, he said, I'd like to introduce you to my wife. She's here in the audience. The wife happened to be the woman sitting right next to me. The woman was Gladys Knight. Wow. Now, I guess many years ago. Still, I would say, Bill, I mean, Gladys Knight. You didn't recognize Gladys Knight, Bill? Really? Hmm. Hmm. 262, about 20 years ago, I was a cable guy for Time Warner. I had a service call at Bonnie Blair's house. Her married name was on the work order, so I didn't know it was her until I walked into the basement to work on the cable, and I saw four Olympic gold medals. Yeah, that would be quite something. Boy, I bet cable, you know, cable guys, cable workers have some remarkable stories, too, of going to a residence. You don't know it's a celebrity. It ends up being a celebrity. 855-616-1620. Keep it coming. Keep it coming. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. All right, let me squeeze one. We're going to keep this going after the news. So you're coming through for me big time, and I appreciate it. Let me squeeze in uh, Ken and Racine. Hi, Kenny. Real quick, your celebrity encounter of the random kind. Well, um, I, I took a deaf friend up to a basketball game with the Bucks and the Los Angeles Lakers. Will Chamberlain, Jerry West, Belgian Baylor, all these guys. We were waiting. Uh, we were told to go and wait because I wanted Will Chamberlain's autograph for my deaf friend. And we were told to go and wait over there as they exited the, the floor. We might be able to get his autograph. One of the guys that was walking off of the floor said, follow me. And so he and, and my friend followed him into up to the locker room door. And the guy was standing there by the door, and he said, uh, uh, the, the guy that was leading us back there said, uh, uh, wait here. And I didn't hear him say, wait here. So when we got to the door, the guy that was guarding the door said, uh, stuck out his hand to, uh, uh, after I went by, and he stopped to my, my deaf friend. And I said, he's okay. I turned around and said, I said, he's okay. Let him in. <laughs> so we both walked into the locker room and there's Will Chamberlain and all these guys sitting around in there drinking uh, beverages to replenish their fluids and stuff. <laughs> oh, sure. And he got the autographs for every one wow. of those players. And then after we left the locker room, we're, I'm walking under the Coliseum uh, walkway, mm-hmm. and who should I see walking toward me is Willie Davis of the Green Bay Packers. Oh, wow. Defensive tackle. And we got his autograph on this, on this basketball program. It was so cool to be a part of that. Man. And and my friend was, I mean, 
I'm sure he saved that auto, that autograph program, but, but if I, if he didn't, he's probably lost it on a good investment. If I he hope still got it. I hope he saved it. Thanks for the call, Ken. You waited a while, and and it was worth the story. Thank you so much. Yet another story that I would say was of a simpler time, a simpler time when you could just hey, I'm in the locker room of the L.A. Lakers. Hey, you know it's it's a little different then, a little different. Richard in Milwaukee. Hi, Richard. Your celebrity encounter of the random kind. Hey, Scott. Um, I was a public service ambassador in the downtown from 2001 to 13, and we constantly were encountering celebrities, so we all had some stories to tell. My favorite one of mine was that I encountered the original owner of the Milwaukee Bucks, now, maybe you can help me with this. I believe his name was Jim Fitzgerald. At the time, I definitely recognized him, and uh, we got to talking about the Bucks in the early days. And I think he was, he'd was he been out of the public eye for about 30 years, so I think he enjoyed being recognized. And he was wearing his 1971 NBA championship ring, and he showed it to me. And then he asked me, would you like to try it on? <laughs> How about and that? I, you can, yeah, my answer was, yes, I would. That'd be super. So that was my brush with greatness, not yeah. just talking to him, but my finger had a little yeah. brush with greatness, too. That's pretty cool. So, yeah, you, you got it right. Thanks for the call, Richard. I appreciate you sharing that story very much. Uh, let's go to uh, James in Milwaukee. Hi, James. Your celebrity encounter of the random kind. Yeah, Scott, uh, I was out in Las Vegas, and uh, Howard Cosell was sitting down from us, and mm. we uh, decided to go and get his autograph, and my friend said, I went up to him and said, is your pen as muddy as your tongue, <laughs> to Howard, and he just looked, and he signed the thing, but the thing was, as I was, as we were, we were through the show on that, um, I seen George Foreman up in front there, so I was going to try to get his autograph in Caesar's Palace, and one of his bodyguard said, yeah, you possibility, and here this thing goes all the way down to George, stops in the thing there, and he's got these big dudes, look like, uh, Giannis looked like he'd probably be a dark or small person compared to all these guys that uh, Foreman had around him, signs this thing, and everybody in Caesars is looking at me like, how the heck did, <laughs> how did, how did this white guy get, get uh, George's uh, signature there, stopping everything else, Caesars Palace, that was funny or nail. Wow. Yeah, yeah Co- Howard Cosell. Yeah, Howard Cosell and George Foreman. That's 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 a pretty good one-two punch right there. Speaking of Vegas, Laura from Las Vegas says, Scott, while living in Atlanta, listen to this. While living in Atlanta, I encountered Bette Midler in the ladies' room, and then Laura says she was doing her business number one <laughs> in the, in the stall right next to me. I didn't have the nerve to say anything while we were washing our hands. Well, that's good. Bette Midler washes her hands. Um, she was having dinner with Billy Crystal and Marissa Tomei. We were sitting just a couple tables away. They were in town filming parental guidance. <laughs> Laura. So, Bette Midler. Number, thanks for that. There's some detail in that one, boy. Wow. Uh, let's see. Steve from Wabino. Hi, Steve-O. Hey, how's it going? I'm okay. Um, this, yes, yours is going to be a little bit harrowing. Go ahead. <laughs> right, my mind's a little more different. Um, about two weeks before he was arrested and charged, I met John Wayne Gacy. He, uh, he was a contractor at a sporting goods store north of Chicago called Sportmart. He was rebuilding the corporate offices. 
I was a warehouse kid. Saw him walking through the warehouse. There was a uh, Cook County Sheriff's police officer probably about 30 feet behind him. And I, I, I walked up to him and I said, sir, we're closed to the public. He said, I'm the contractor uh, remodeling the offices. I said, okay. I said, well, what's with the police officer here? And he told me there's been numerous threats on his life and the police were there for his, his protection. I immediately ducked down the first island, got away from him. Wow. So and, then, and, and, and then, Steve, you know, a week or two later, he gets arrested for the crimes that he was at the time accused of. And what's your reaction? Well, I didn't know about it. And that Saturday morning, he was arrested on a Friday. That Saturday morning, I went into work. My boss thrust the Chicago Tribune in my my chest, and he said, you're not going to believe this. (laughs) I opened it up, and there was his face right there. I I, I thought, oh, my God. Wow. And when I told my mom mom about it, she flipped out. She's like, oh, my God, that could have been you, blah, blah, blah. So... It's kind of a kind of a different celebrity encounter. Yeah, celebrity encounter. No, look, yeah. celebrities come in all shapes, sizes, and um, for all type of reasons, and that certainly is a celebrity, and for a whole other type of reason. Yeah. Thanks for the call, Steve. I do appreciate John Wayne Gacy a week before he was arrested. Yamaha. Uh, let's uh, go to Stephen in Whitefish Bay. Hi, Stephen. Your celebrity encounter of the random kind. Well, um, I'm a musician. Say, how, how are you doing today, by the way? Thanks for having me on. I'm um, well, thank you. I'm, uh, I'm a, a musician, so I've met a lot of um, different musicians over the year. But years back, when whenever uh, Robert Downey Jr. was on parole, he was filming the... Which time? Which time? <laughs> the one where I think he was sleeping in his neighbor's oh, house. Oh, that time. Okay, got it, got it. Exactly, you know, that was a good one. No, well, see, he was filming that... Um, uh, the Fugitive 2 in Chicago, and the band that I was hanging out with, I was friends with at Summerfest, mm. um, he was a big fan of. So he, unbeknownst to us, we got a call from somebody at Summerfest saying, like, don't go anywhere, because we were in the trailer at the rock stage, I think it was. Mm. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. pulls up in this, uh, he had, they had driven him up from Chicago. He walked out, he's a very, very small man, but we got on the trailer, and he was really sober and super, super nice. We sat there for an hour and, and talked to him, and oh. it, was, it was just crazy. It was something that you just weren't expecting to have happen, especially with no warning, just like, hey, and then I'm hanging out with him. So. For an hour. Sober, no yeah. less. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I think so. Hey, yeah, <laughs> or he was on drugs. Well, sure. maybe he was. Uh, who knows? Thanks you for never the, know. No, you don't. Not with him. Thanks, Stephen. Huh. Uh, right here. I'm just trying to... Um, we're going to have to round this out here in just a couple of moments. So if you're on the line, hang on. I'm, I'm going to get to you. Uh, if you haven't been on yet or if you're still trying to call in, I, we're going to be... T- but you may have to do this again, Kyle, at some point. Uh, Mike in Muskego, your celebrity encounter of the random kind. Well, I've got somebody from Wisconsin that uh, everybody would recognize, and that is uh, Bart Starr. Mm. Uh, my, my experience was that I was getting on a plane here in the Milwaukee airport. This is probably about 15 years ago. And uh, back when they had first class and coach on planes, and I'm in the, I'm going to my seat in the coach section, and as I'm walking through first class, I see Bart Starr sitting on one of the, the seats in first class. Well, being an avid Packer fan and a, uh, a person I'd loved Bart Starr all, all of my life, I said, you know, when am I ever going to get an opportunity to say hello to Bart Starr? So I sat down in my coach seat, got up, walked into first class, 
and introduced myself to Bart Starr. And I said, Bart, you don't know me, but my name is Mike Bodie. And I just wanted to say hello to you because I've, I've adored you and the yeah. Packers all of my life. And you know what he said? He said, Mike, he said, there was a seat open next to me. He says, why don't you sit down and we'll talk for a minute. Unbelievable. Wow. I mean, this is kind of That's I a, sat down. Yeah. I talked to him for half an hour. And he said, do you have any kids? And I said, yeah, I've got three sons. He had a briefcase. He pulled the briefcase out. He had three 8 by 10 photographs of himself when he was coaching with his camel hair sport coat on and had one of the players next to him on the sideline. And he pulls all three of them out. He signs all of them. Best wishes, Bart Starr, and gave them all to me. And I said, wow, thank you so much, Mr. Starr. And I went back and sat mm. down in my seat. That, it, was, it was an awesome. That is awesome. That, that, uh, thanks for the call, Mike. i got to let you go. Um, when Bart Starr passed away, I remember we spent uh, the uh, like a full hour, uh, maybe an hour and a half of my Saturday program, and I just opened up the lines and I said, did you have Bart Starr encounters, your Bart Starr story? I was flabbergasted by how many of you were befriended by Bart Starr in a truly random moment, whether it was a brief passing in a hallway, on an airplane, in all these different manners. And it opened my eyes as to just kind of the, the, the truly kind man that he was. We'll have time for two more calls. Lou and DJ, the last two calls, uh, can't get to everybody, but Lou and DJ will get your celebrity encounters of the random kind when we come back. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Yeah, this is, <laughs> Kyle and I were just, we've been doing this for almost an hour. I don't know. I, I hope people find this interesting. I just, you never know who you're going to hear about next time you hit the button. DJ and Franklin, you'll get one of our last couple calls here. Go ahead, DJ. All right. Well, um, I this is I have a couple of different, you know, the, the same people kind of twice. The one was random, was most recently. Mm. I run a, uh, I run a uh, social media group for a fan club for Leave It to Beaver. Okay. And I, one of my helpers that helped run it, like, went and booked an interview with me and him, Beaver. And Jer I thought... Jerry Mathers. I said, yeah. And I thought, well, that'd be kind of cool, except I have no idea how I'm going to do this. I have no equipment, no... I guess I'll figure it out. And it turned out that a guy is in that, in that forum lives in Waukesha, and he has a podcast, so he has all that equipment. So I was able to do that. Mm -hmm. And then they, he and, um, yeah, so I, he and I did, uh, interviewed Wally as well. Okay. And, um, and then several years before that, Jerry Mathers and Eddie Haskell were actually sitting in on WTMJ radio for a week. And then at the end of the week, then they did a meet and greet and stuff. Oh, wow. So, yeah. All right. So there you go. You leave it to Beaver. Jerry Mathers. When were they on the air? I must have been a long time ago. All right. Our last call. Last call. To Lou in Oconomowoc. Lou, take us out here. Your celebrity encounter of the random kind. Well, mine was pretty random. I, uh, sure. you know, a friend of mine were going to go golfing on a Friday. 
and we got out there fairly early. But but anyway, we got up and we're at Nagawaki, which is always packed. They were putting twosomes together, and they're yelling. Uh, the starters yelling from the tee. Who wants to go out with Mr. Nelson? And me and my friend just look at each other and we're kind of giggling and thinking, well, just, either he's a doctor who's trying to drop. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so anyway, we get on up, we hit the balls off, and I walk down, and uh, about the third hole, I look over and I, I said to my friend, I says, oh my God, that's Willie Nelson. He goes, oh! He, yeah, he goes, he goes, really? I go, yeah, Willie Nelson. And uh, he's got the big heavy, uh, the big straw hat on and stuff, and he's with his manager, so you know, golf can get that way, and we were kind of hitting each other directions. But anyway, about the fifth hole, I hear his manager go, and I we didn't even we, I didn't want to bother the guy; just was to let him have his game. <laughs> and his manager says, as we're at the tee, I can hear him in the back. It's like I'm hitting off. He goes, "You think he knows who you are?" And he goes, "He goes, he goes I don't know." And so, so you, so you so played it. You played it pretty cool, Lou. I kept it. I just kept it down. I, well, I was going to give that guy's time. He had a show that day, and yeah. I was going to the show later that evening. Anyway, long and the short of it was, I get up to the next tee, and Willie starts uh, uh, whistling. Hmm. You know, blue eyes crying in the rain. <laughs> He's <laughs> dropping hints. He's just, yeah, it was dropping hints, and his manager's laughing. You know, and. And then so <laughs> we got to wrap it up, Lou. Lou, how did it end? How did it end? How did it end? I start singing the song. Oh, uh, the key. I start singing. You know, I know all the words to the song. Love the love the album. But anyway, long and short of it was, he goes, Jesus. He says, I was wondering when you were going to get out. You know, say anything. How'd you know? I said, when did you know? I said. Uh, a while ago, <laughs> that's said, wow. great. He said, "I gotta thank you. You you just held your you you, you held your uh... yeah. You played <laughs> well, it cool, Lou. You played it cool. Thanks for the call. And then, how did you disclose the fact that you knew who he was? Started singing the song. Well done. Well done, everyone. Nicely done.